I want to ask you to turn to two passages of Scripture, Exodus chapter 20 and 1 Kings chapter 17. Exodus 20 and 1 Kings 17. We've been in a series entitled Elevate, Breaking Through to New Levels in Life. And we've talked about how to go to a new level in your faith, how to go to a new level in your family, how to go to a new level in freedom. We're going to spend four weeks now talking about how to go to a new level in our finances. Now, I will do two weeks and then... Two weeks from today, remember, we're going to have Dr. Jack Hayford here, and it's our fifth year anniversary celebration, and we'll have Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night, and I really want you to set aside to come those three nights. Let me tell you something's going to happen. God's going to move. God is going to move because we're praying. I want you to come early. You'll meet some people that go to other services. Please make plans. That Sunday night, I'll speak. I have a message that I'm very excited about. We're going to give a little more time to worship. And see what God wants to do in the presence of God. Monday night, uh, Jack, Dr. Jack Hafer will speak. Tuesday night, Jimmy Evans. So don't forget about that. So we'll go two weeks, and then we'll take a little break, and then come back and finish. But let me tell you how this series, where I'm going to talk about this four-week series here on finances, how to go to a new level in your finances. Uh, about two and a half years ago, James Robinson's ministry came to me and said, Would you come on live today and do a teaching on giving? We feel like it's a very balanced, and you, 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 when you preach on giving, you're doing it to really help people. And there's a real heart in you to help people in this area. And uh, if there's a book in you about it, you know, then you might want to write the book along with it. I said, yes, there really is. I really, I've always wanted to write a book on this, so I wrote The Blessed Life. Well, The Blessed Life has taken off, sold tremendously, helped a lot of people. Um, by the way, uh, one guy said to me, you know, you it's amazing how people form these opinions of you and they've never met you, you know. He said, you know, you wrote a book on giving and then you made a lot of money off of it. Well, I didn't make any money off of it, to just let you know, by the way. The church, though, has made hundreds of thousands of dollars, by the way, because all the royalties went to the church from the book. But my point was to help people. That was my whole point. So I want you to know that. And so I wrote this book on, on giving and it began helping people. But... It also began revealing an area where people need a lot of help. That's an area of their finances. Now, let me explain to you. The book is only on giving. That's, it's, it's, it's just about giving. It's not about getting your finances in order. There's one little chapter where I talk a little bit about it, but mainly I talk about giving. And I got all these emails and letters from people all over the country saying, and this is what they would say in essence, I'm giving, but I'm still in debt. Now, now listen to me. I don't understand that statement. That, that statement implies that giving is some magical thing and you can give and still live above your means and charge on credit cards and then everything will be okay. Well, that wasn't the purpose of the book. You understand? It was as if I wrote a book on combing your hair, you know, one aspect of grooming. That, that's all it was about. I just wrote a book. That, that's what I feel like. I wrote a book on combing your hair and then I got all these emails from people that don't bathe. That, that said to me, uh, Pastor Robert, I'm combing my hair, but I still stink, you know. <laughs> to say I'm giving, but I'm still in debt, it, it does, that's not, the, they don't go together. You understand what I'm saying? There are other financial principles. And so I went to uh, George Grubbs, that's on our staff now, that I've known for years and has, is, I really admire his financial accountability, the principles he's lived by financially for years, and he's taught on it, and I've heard him teach on it. And so I went to him and I said, listen, I want you and I to get together and co-author a book on how to get your finances in order. 
And maybe we might even call it before you can live the blessed life. You know, you can't give if you, if you don't have money. And so, uh, so I want you to help me on this and, and begin praying about it. Well, he did, and God gave him, I believe, the format for the book. And that is that he, he wrote me an email a few months later with the Ten Financial Commandments. And so he and I have been working on this for over a year now. We've taken out a few. We've added a few. We've combined a few. We've been praying about this. So that's what I'm going to present to you over the next few weeks, the Ten Financial Commandments. And we're going to do three of them today. All right? So this is not a series on giving, although we'll talk about it just a little bit right at the first, because it's part of it. But it's not the series. It's mainly about how to operate your finances according to biblical standards. Now, we're talking about going to a new level, you know, in, in your family and going to a new level in faith, things like that. Let me just ask you something. How many of you here would like to go to a new level in your finances? Would, would that be okay? <laughs> okay. Well, that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks, all right? So here's the first financial commandment. Thou shalt honor the Lord first. Thou shalt honor the Lord first. Now, when, when I started praying about this and I looked at the ten financial commandments that George had written, the, the original ten, I got to thinking about, you know, I think these could go along with the ten commandments. And that's why you're in Exodus 20, because when you look at verse 3, this is the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, the first commandment is, put God first. That's the first commandment. Well, the first financial commandment is, put God first. Honor the Lord first. Now, again, I'm going to tell you, this is not a series about giving, but this is a part of it. In other words, giving is not the only financial principle to get your finances in order, but it is the first. It is the first. You have to give to God first. You have to honor the Lord first. He asked for the firstborn. He asked for the first fruits. He asked for the first. The tithe has to be first. And we have to come to place that we understand that. Now, a lot of people call this the principle of tithing, and it is the principle of tithing, but I call it the principle of putting God first. And let me just ask you this. Why would God ask you for 10% of your income? I don't know if you've ever even thought about that. Think about that. Why would God, who owns everything, ask someone who makes $40,000 a year for $4,000? I mean, why, why would God do something like that to you? Why would God ask you for 10% of your income? Listen to me carefully. It's not for His benefit. It's not for Him. It's for you. It's so that you can come to the place that in a very difficult area, in the area where we have difficulty trusting, it's, for, it's so that we, in that area, we can put God first. And once we put God first in that area, it allows God to be first in other areas of our life as well. It's for your benefit. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, I preached on this, so I'm not going to go through all of that again. You can get the book or you can listen to some of the other tapes. I've got all these examples from Scripture about putting God first and the tithe has to be first, about how God uh, accepted Abel's offering because it was first. But not Cain's because it wasn't first. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, uh, the beginning, not the Garden of Eden, of the beginning. All the way back, I've got these examples about how God uh, asked for Jericho because it was the first city. He asked for Isaac because he was the firstborn of the promise. All these examples about that you have to give to God first. But I, we were, I knew this was going to be the first point of the, the series. And so uh, Pastor George and I were on a plane a while back going somewhere. And I said to him, I'm asking the Lord to give me a new example of giving to God first. Because I know there's other examples in what I have. Even though I've studied on it, I've written on it, 
I know there's more examples. I know it's all over the Bible. So I'm asking them to give me a new example of it. And I closed my eyes after, I, after we talked for a while, and I was praying and just seeking the Lord. I was speaking somewhere, and so I was praying about that. And all of a sudden, the Lord just broke in and said to me, Do you remember the, the story of Elijah and the widow in 1 Kings 17? I said, Yeah. He said, That's your story. That's your example. He said, Go read it. So flip over now to 1 Kings chapter 17. And let me show you this. 1 Kings 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, this is during a famine. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. It's our last meal is what she's saying. Now watch verse 13. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from it first, first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. It's amazing. By the way, do you know how long it was until the Lord sent rain? Three years and six months. Three years and six months, and the flour wasn't used up, and the oil didn't run dry. Why? Because she gave to God first. Here's the principle. And I want you to think about this. When she's walking back to her house, she might have had this thought. Elijah is crazy. (laughs) Elijah is a crazy man. I just have enough for one more meal. And he said, make sure you make mine first. Now, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking sometimes when I'm talking about tithing, giving 10% of your income to God, that there are people sitting out there, good people, people that love God but can't pay their bills, and here's what they're thinking. He's crazy. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not crazy, but I understand the principles of God. The only reason that I preach on tithing is to help you. That's the only reason. And that's the only reason God wants you to tithe is to help you, not to help Him. Think about this. Please think about this. Why did God send Elijah to a widow during a famine? Think about this. Don't you think there was a rich man that God could have sent Elijah to to provide for him? Why would He send him to a widow? Listen to me very carefully. God did not send Elijah to the widow to provide for Elijah. God sent Elijah to the widow to provide for the widow. That's why. See, tithing is not for for, uh, God's benefit. It's for your benefit. God God sends Elijah there to take care of her. Not so that that, uh, Elijah could be taken care of. God could have taken care of Elijah. God could have sent ravens to feed Elijah. Is that right? He did that at another time. God could have sent an angel from heaven to make a cake for him, which, by the way, was the first angel food cake. (laughs) Because he did that at another time. 
God did not have a problem providing for Elijah. There was a widow who needed to be provided for. There was a widow who was going to die. And God was concerned about the widow. So he sent a man of God to her. And the man of God said to her, give to me first. Give to God first. And watch what happens to your provision. Do you see that? God did not send Elijah to the widow to provide for Elijah. God sent Elijah to the widow because he cared about the widow. But she had to give to God first. And by the way, it's not just finances. It is not just finances when you tithe that it affects. It's your children as well. If you went on and read the story, the rest of the story, and you can read it this week. Please read it this week. Just go on and read the rest of 1 Kings 17. Not now, by the way. Some of you are looking down. Not now. I'm talking. Okay. But later, read the rest of 1 Kings 17. Here's what you'll find out. The widow's son gets sick and dies. And Elijah raises him from the dead. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think that God knew that her son was going to get sick? Yeah. And so he sends Elijah there. Why? Not only to provide for her, but to bless her. She'd already lost her husband. Now her only son is about to get sick and die. And God sends a man of God into her life that if she will put this principle to work in her life, if she'll give to God first, he'll not only take care of her meals, her provision, he'll take care of her son, her children. You see? Let me ask you something. If God said to you personally, If God appeared to you personally, like He appeared to Abraham, like He appeared to Moses, if I'm I'm talking about God, I'm the creator of the universe now, I mean that owns it all. If God came to you personally tomorrow morning and said to you, if you'll tithe, if you'll give me 10% of your income, I'll do two things for you. If you'll give me 10% of your income, number one, I will stand at the door of your house and keep the devil out. I'll stand at the door of your house, and I'll keep the devil out of your marriage. I'll keep the devil off your teenage kids. I'll keep the devil out of your health. I'll keep the devil out of your house if you'll give me 10% of your income. And secondly, if you'll give me 10% of your income, I'll bless you so that you'll actually make more than what you give. Okay? If God showed up and personally said that to you, let me ask you something. Would you tithe? Okay, listen to me. He has and he will. That's what this book says. I I quoted it almost directly. That's what Malachi says. If you'll tithe, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you. What? Wouldn't you be foolish not to accept that deal? It takes faith, though. It takes faith. This, now, this isn't the only financial principle, but it's the first. Thou shalt honor the Lord first. All right, here's the second financial principle. Thou shalt not try to acquire happiness by material items. Thou shalt not try to acquire happiness by material items. If you go back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 4 is the second commandment. It says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Here's what the second commandment is about. Idols and idolatry. Here's what God is saying. Don't look to anything on this earth for happiness. 
Don't worship anything on this earth. Don't let your heart go after anything on this earth. In other words, it goes along with the first commandment. Put me first. Let me be first. And don't look to something else for happiness. Now, all of us as believers, and most of us here are believers, here's what we say. We say, oh, I know that. Nothing material. There's nothing material that can bring happiness. But that would bring a little joy in my life. If I could have that, if we, could, if we had a bigger house, I'd be a little happier than I am now. If I had a better car, I'd be a little happier. And here's the problem. It only brings temporary satisfaction. But it does not satisfy us. There's only one thing that will make you happy, and that is an ongoing, vital relationship with Jesus. That's it. Material items do not bring happiness into our life. And we have to come to that place where we understand this. If I had a a new house, I'd be happy. If I had a new car, I'd be happy. Here's the biggest one. If I had a new spouse. Nothing new. Nothing new can give you peace and joy except a new relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And this is the way the enemy comes to us. Rich and poor people fall into this trap. Rich and poor people fall into this trap. Listen, it doesn't matter if you make a little money or a lot of money. You need to be honoring God with your finances. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the Ten Financial Commandments. Every one of us have gone through this. We've set our heart on getting something. Well, I don't know what it is, but we set our heart on getting something. I'm going to get this, and I need this, and, and I, you know, I will just, if I could just get this one thing, God, if you just give me this one thing, if you just, a new barbecue grill, God, I just need a new barbecue grill, you know? All my neighbors have a barbecue grill, and it would help me relax, and I'd be able to spend some time in the backyard. And if you, if you just help me get a new barbecue grill, then I'd be happy. And we get a new barbecue grill, and the first time we're out there, we need furniture too out here, don't we? You know, God, if I could just have patio furniture, I'd be happy. If I just, just had patio furniture, I'd be happy. Get the patio furniture. You know, if we had a pool, if we just had a pool, I think I'd be, I'd really be happy, God, if I just, if I just had a pool. You understand what I'm saying? It just never stops. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Never satisfied. The Bible calls it the lusts of the eyes. You will never get your finances in order until you learn to deal with the lusts of the eyes and that you don't buy everything you set your eyes on and make impulse buys and that you don't just make foolish buys every time you decide you want something. Listen to me. When you want something, if you'll wait just a little while, it's probably going to pass. It'll probably pass. We buy stuff and within 24 hours of buying it, we're not happy. With that children of Israel had manna, they said, we don't want manna. And they griped, and they murmured, and they complained, and they said, we want meat. So God said, okay, I'll give you meat. They gave him meat. Here's what the Bible says. While the meat was still in their mouths, they started complaining again. While it's still in their mouths. Why? Because nothing on this earth satisfies us. Only God satisfies us. We have a little uh, joke in our house. One of our sons said to, to us, Dad, if you'll buy me this, I'll never ask you for anything for the rest of my life. And so I said to him, I want, I want you to sign a contract. I want, you to, I want you to sign right here on this, that you'll never ask for another thing. And so Debbie and I prayed about it, and uh, we felt like, you know what, I, we will. We, we would like to buy this. It would be something for the family, be nice. And, it, and, and uh, we think we would. 
But we're going to do it in two months. We're going to, we, we'll have the money in two months. We're going to wait two months to do it. And so we said to him, we, we, are, we went to him the next night, and we said to him, we prayed about it, or maybe a week later, and we said, we prayed about it, and uh, we are going to buy it, but we're going to wait two months to buy it, but we'll buy it in two months. And he, this is what he said. He said, that's great. He said, but you know, I've been thinking, if we buy that, we're going to need this too. We said, we thought you said you never asked for anything else. And so that's kind of a joke in our family that if I just got this one thing, I'll never ask for anything else. It's a lie of the enemy. And we have to come in place that we understand we don't get happiness from material items. Here's the third financial principle. Thou shalt not be unthankful for whatever standard of living God has provided for you. Thou shalt not be unthankful for whatever standard of living God has provided for you. This goes along with the third commandment. Verse 7, Exodus 20. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, as I began praying about this, I thought, you know, you know what, what causes people to take the name of the Lord in vain? First of all, unbelievers and believers do it differently. Unbelievers use the word that we would all consider taking the name of the Lord in vain. And it's, it's one word. But unbelievers do it. Why do they do it? They do it when they're angry. Why are people angry? You know what the Bible tells us causes anger? Unthankfulness. When we have an ungrateful heart, we're angry at everything around us and everything that's going on. When we're unthankful for what God has done in our life, and when we are not grateful, we have anger, pent up, stored up anger, and everything makes us angry. And unbelievers, you take God's name in vain because of anger. Do you know why believers take God's name in vain? And, and, and I don't mean use that word. Let me tell you how believers take God's name in vain. I want you to think of what the word vain means. It comes from a root word and it means selfishness. When you're vain, it means prideful and selfishness. You're focused on self. Do you know how believers take God's name in vain? In Jesus' name, I pray for this house. In Jesus' name, I pray for this new car. In Jesus' name, I pray for this. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray for this. In Jesus' name. You know what we should be using Jesus' name for? In Jesus' name, I pray for my marriage. In Jesus' name, I pray for my children. In Jesus' name, I pray for this lost person to come to know Jesus. But instead, we use Jesus' name like a magical incantation. That if I just use the words, Jesus' name, maybe I can get this house if I just use it enough. I'm just going to say it over and over again. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And here's what the Bible says. Don't worry. Here's Jesus. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, or where you live. Because my Heavenly Father already knows you need all those things. He's going to take care of it. And here we are down. We are down here, especially in America, living better than four-fifths of the world. And we're unthankful for the standard of living God has provided for us. And using His name to get a better car. And using His name to get a bigger house. And there's nothing wrong with having a nicer house. There's nothing wrong with that at all. As long as you're not, un- the reason you're doing it is because you're not unthankful for the one God's given you. And because you're not unthankful for the standard of living God has provided for you. Listen, being unthankful opens the door to all kinds of evil. You have to know this. This is one of the root doors that opens the doors to the enemy being unthankful. Let me show you some scripture on it. Romans 1.21 says, Because although they knew God, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. 
but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. When it says their foolish hearts were darkened, it means they went into great deception. Listen, what opened the door for these people who knew God to be deceived? They weren't thankful. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, But know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, watch this, unthankful, it's in this list, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Unthankfulness opens the door to all kinds of evil in our lives. When we allow the enemy to begin to get us to the place where we are just not thankful for what God has provided. Can I tell you something? One of the best things you can do when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, or when you're under attack is being to thank God for what you have in your life. Thank you, God, for my marriage. Thank you, God, for my health. Thank you, God, for my life. Thank you, God, that I'm saved. Thank you, God, that I'm going to heaven. Thank you, God, for my church. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for the standard of living you have provided for me. And if you are not satisfied with the standard of living God has provided for you, you will make foolish decisions financially, and you will stretch yourself, and you will live above your means, and you'll be in trouble. Remember I said a moment ago that financial problems opens the door to all kinds of problems. Now, listen to me. Financial stress. Let me say it another way. Mismanagement of finances opens the door to all kinds of problems. Let me just name a few. Mismanagement of finances causes more marital problems than any other problem. Did you know that? So they did a study years ago, and they said the number one problem in marriage is communication. And we all said, well, that's the number one problem in marriage. And I said, that's not the number one problem. The number one problem is money. Let me tell you why. Then they did another study, and they said, what's the number one thing that people fight about? You know what it was? Money. And so when they said the number one problem was communication, it was communication about money. Mismanagement of finances causes marital problems. Mismanagement of finances causes emotional problems, anger, stress. Mismanagement of finances causes physical problems. Literally physical problems because we're stressed out over finances. And let me tell you what else it causes. Mismanagement of finances causes spiritual problems. Do you realize that there are Christians today that are mad at God because God's not providing for them? That's the way they feel. God's providing for other people. And it's the, re- the reason they don't feel God's providing for them is because they're mismanaging what God's given them. They mismanage the funds that God gave them. And now they're mad at him for not doing it. You know, I can't pay my bills, God. How come you're not providing for me? Years ago, I was in that very same place, in a lot of debt, and could not pay my bills. I said, God, I don't understand. You provide for others, and you're not providing for me. I can't even pay my bills. You know what he said? He said, I'm not responsible for bills I don't initiate. I'm not responsible for debts that I didn't sign my name on, son. You signed your name on it. I didn't sign my name on it. You're the one that's going to have to pay that debt. I'm not responsible for that. I'm telling you, mismanagement of finances causes problems. Now listen to me. We're going to spend four weeks on this, all right? Please hear me. It's, it, you, you did not get into the situation that you're in overnight. 
If you're in a hole financially, you did not get there overnight. It's going to take you a while to get out. It's going to take you a while of doing these. It took Debbie and I several years to get our finances in order. But when we began applying the principles of God, let me tell you what did happen overnight. Peace and joy. When we set our hearts, God, we're going to honor you with our finances, and we're going to quit buying everything our heart desires, and we're going to start applying biblical principles to our finances. Immediately, peace and joy came in our lives. But it took a while to get out of the mess we were in. We, we owed a lot of money. One of the things God said to me was, I want you to pay cash for your cars. I don't want you, oh, I don't want you having this big car payment. We had a, a car payment. Now, this is just ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I can't even believe I'm telling you this, but I'm going to tell you. We had a car payment bigger than our house payment. Because we wanted this nice car. And God said to me, sell it. And I said to him, God, I'm upside down. He said, yeah, in more ways than one, son. <laughs> You're a lot more upside down than you think you are. This finance is just one way you're upside down. And I said, Lord, if I sell it, I'll lose money. Have you ever ever done that? You ever had God tell you, if I sell it, I'll lose money. Now, think about this. The car was wrong. It was a material item we were looking to to provide happiness for us. Listen to me. According to the second commandment, that's an idol. So here's what I was actually saying to God. God... If I sell this idol, I'll lose money. So you can just imagine God's response. Oh, well, by all means, keep the idol. (laughs) I wouldn't want you to lose money. Just keep the idol. No. Here's what he said. Get your finances in order. So we sold the car. We had a little bit of funds, you know, that we had begun saving up. We had a little bit of extra, which we had to use to pay the car off. When we did that, we had $750 left over. And he said, now, Lord, what are we going to do? He said, buy a car for $750. That's what you're going to do. And we looked around. There weren't a lot of cars for sale for $750. But a friend of mine who knew we were trying to do right found an old car that someone had. And he said, I got a friend. He's got $750. Would you sell it for that? And the guy said, yeah. It was a 1973 Ford station wagon with 134,000 miles on it. And we bought it for $750. Listen to me. We loved that car. I'm I'm telling you the truth. You know, every time we got in it, we felt such peace and such joy. We loved it. We prayed over it. We anointed it with oil about a quart a week. We had to put four new tires on it because every week it seemed like a tire would go out on us, you know, and we'd add one when we could. But God began to bless us. We made a commitment. We're not buying anything that's not a necessity until we're out of debt. We didn't go to the movies. We we did not go to the movies until we were out of debt. We didn't go out to eat. We, We got serious. Do you understand when you get serious about getting your finances in order, God gets serious about blessing you. And we got serious about it. And uh, then we, we made this commitment. We're not going to buy anything unless it's a necessity. The hairdryer went out. Debbie said to me, this is a necessity. <laughs> I said, I, I agree with you, but I'm learning to pray about things, so I'd like to, can I just pray about it first? She said, Sure. I went in and prayed. It was on a Saturday. I felt like the Lord said, wait one day. That's all I felt. He said, wait one day. 
I went back to her. I said, this is what I feel like the Lord said. I know this is horrible to say. I feel like God said, wait one day. She said, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. That was Saturday. Sunday morning, we got up and went to church. A lady walked up to us in church. We had never even met her, did not know her. And here's what she said. I was at Walmart yesterday, and I felt like God told me to buy you a hair dryer. (laughs) Now, listen to me. That's fun. Because my finances were now under the control of God. I can't tell you. I'm begging with you. I'm pleading you. Because I know the misery that many of you go through. I've been there. I'm pleading with you to get your finances in order. Let God be in charge of your finances. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to make a commitment to the Lord today. The first message that I ever preached in this series on breakthrough and going to a new level... I said it takes two things to have a breakthrough in any area of your life. Faith and works. Doesn't matter if it's your family. Doesn't matter if it's your finances. It's going to take faith and works. I'm pleading with you today. Have faith. Believe what I'm telling you. But then put feet to your faith when you leave this building. Look at your budget. Get together if you're married with your spouse. Pray about it. Sell something. Get your finances in order. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help each of us to get our finances to a place where we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.